Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Good morning. morning. How are you doing? Come on. I mean, for us, I know you think it's a privilege for you to have us, but actually it's the other way around. We we feel so honored and blessed uh, to be in this place. We love this church and think you've got one of the most amazing pastoral teams on the planet. And uh, your lead pastors, senior pastors, Leo and Christine, probably the two best in many, in many of the places we get to travel. And uh, I don't know if they're watching or not. If they're like me, they probably are sitting somewhere and have tuned in. So if they are, why don't we put our hands together and let's just honor them because they are phenomenal. You know, when you, lead a, you, when you lead a church, it never leaves you. You can go on holiday, and while you're on holiday, you can be sitting at a beach looking at a beautiful vista, and you'll be thinking, I wonder what's happening at the church this morning. Because it's like having a child almost. You know, you live it, you breathe it, and it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's the way God designed certain gifts in the body, those that are going to lead us in the body, and leadership is such an important gift in the body of Christ. Without leaders, we, we, we just run around and we'd end up doing nothing. We have no direction. And so I just want to say to Leo and Christine, thank you so much for having us here. We feel honored and blessed and privileged. You have amazing musicians. And uh, how, how amazing, how amazing is your, your facility? It's the first time we've got to see this in the flesh. And you are blessed. I remember the little, what was it? Like a... Little nightclub come something in the Italian forum. And God's brought you to a spacious place, eh? It's all worth it for the gospel. So I want to encourage you this morning because you're going to get what you expect. And uh, I, I started to change the way I prayed a little while ago. I used to pray, oh God, won't you just touch everybody? Won't you just heal everybody? And then I realized actually... They've got to place a demand on what God wants to do in their lives. Because the church is not McDonald's. You don't arrive here at 10.30, roll in, and say, well, between now and 11.30, Lord, I'd like two miracles. I'd like a prophecy. I'd like a word of knowledge. And if you can upsize, uh, maybe like just put a gift of the apostle or something on me on the upsize. And if I can have that all done by the time I leave here at 11.30, that'll be phenomenal. Then I'll go and change the world. It doesn't work that way. The church is not a drive-through. The church is a place where we come and plant ourselves, and we say, this is where God has put me, and this is where I'm going to bear fruit, and I'm going to put my roots down here, and I'm going to allow God to grow me in this place. And this is not the message, but let me just say this. How does God grow you in a local church? Well, there's many ways. One of the ways is He puts frustrating people in your life. Oh, no, no, don't say that. Don't, 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 don't say that. Well, how are you ever going to learn to love unless you rub up against someone who's very difficult to love? Now, don't look at the person next to you right now. That's, save that for later. And if it's your husband or your wife, definitely don't look at them. Uh, let me throw another one out there because I, I hear people, and I know there may be people, this might even be your first time in a church. 
And uh, people somehow think, well, I'm just going to come into a church. and It's going to be so rosy and beautiful, and everybody's going to love me, and I'm never going to have issues. Um, uh, what planet are you living on? <laughs> because the church is full of people like you, and I don't know if you last checked, but you got issues. <laughs> no, not me. Yes, you. You. You came in with a bit of brokenness. You maybe came in with a bit of pride. You came in with a, with a few issues. And so let me, let me just get this out the way because I think every church needs to hear this. You're going to get hurt in church. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Why is that important? Because you're going to learn to forgive in church. Yeah. Oh, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Smite them. Burn them. No, he said forgive them for they know not what they do. The person that probably hurt you in church is probably as broken as you were when you arrived here. Extend them a little grace. Extend them a little latitude and learn how to love your brother and sister in Christ and grow up together and become everything God's called you to be. Amen. So if someone rubs you up the wrong way, praise God, you'll have an opportunity to grow. I'll just make sure I'll sit on that side because I know every Sunday they sit down there and then I don't have to see them during the tea and coffee. Listen, we need to grow up. Why is it important to be part of a connect group, home group? Because you're going to be stuck with some people that you don't like. Well, I just want to go to a home group where I like everybody. Time to go to heaven, friend. <laughs> While we're here on earth, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be issues. Things will go down. But what's our response as Christians? To get upset and, well, I'll just go down the road then. And No, it's to stay planted where God has put you and learn to grow and release forgiveness and love. If you're not going to learn to love here, where on earth are you going to learn to extend love? The church is not perfect. You know how I know that? Because you're here, and you're not perfect. I know you came in here this morning thinking you got it all together, and it's all happening in your life, and you're a super apostle. Look, well, that's fine if that's what you think. I mean, feel free. Go for it. But I'm telling you, we can sit with you over the next 20 minutes, and we'll dig up some of your baggage because I know you got some. That's not the message. I just felt that as an encouragement just to say good morning. So what can you expect? I feel so honored. We're going to have normally some churches you just in and out quickly, but we've got some extended time together, which is going to be amazing. And so you can expect to be healed over the next few sessions if you're carrying sickness in your body. If you don't know who Jesus is, you can expect to meet Jesus over the next few Sundays. If there's fear in your life, you can expect to be delivered. Whatever you came in with today, I want to say this to you this morning. You can place an expectation not on me, but an expectation on Jesus that he can do a miracle in our midst and in your life and in your body. So I know some people are a bit nervous to put up their hands and things, but if you came in here with sickness in your body and you wanted, wanted to leave your body, just raise your hand. I just want to see how many people have got stuff that they'd like to say goodbye to. Awesome. We're going to be praying for you at some point this morning, and we're going to be believed. We, we've seen a lot of people healed of all sorts of things. 
Actually, just down in Campbelltown, they, they brought us a, a baby who had um, alcohol fetal spectrum disorder, which is, if uh, I hope I got the term correct, please forgive me, medical people, if I got it wrong. But that's where a mother had been on alcohol and had been on drugs, and the baby had been born with that in its system. And as the umbilical cord is cut, the baby basically goes cold turkey. And it wasn't even in the service. It was the end of the service on the way out the door, on the way to lunch. And they said, please, can you pray for the baby? It was a two-and-a-half-month or three-month-old baby. Laid hands on it on the way out the door, on the way to lunch. I found out the next week that they got home that Sunday night, and it was the first time in two-and-a-half, three months that the baby slept. Actually, they watched the, the symptoms of this thing dissipate, and that baby slept seven nights in a row straight afterwards. And so I'm not saying that because of us. I'm saying that because of Jesus. He's the great healer. And whatever you came in with here today, I'm confident he knows how to deal with it. Amen. All right. So I pray that God would meet you at the point of your hunger. And what you're believing him for, you'd get. So let's go. Let's go to the Bible. 1 Timothy 1.18. Better read the scriptures before someone says, you know, he never even read from the Bible. I want to speak to you this morning about how to see a prophecy come to pass. How many of you know what a prophecy is? All right, no one. <laughs> how, who's not going to raise their hands this morning no matter what I say? There's always a group in every, thank you so much. A prophecy is a word given to you about your future from God, basically. The reason you have a prophecy is because God has visited your future. Now, if you've never been given a prophecy, well, maybe some time over the course of the next month, or if you hang around here long enough, I know this church, you'll get one, because God's very interested and very keen on your future, and helping you get into your future. What I want to speak to you today about is how to see a prophecy come to pass. How many of you today have got prophecies that haven't come to pass yet? There we go. And what I want to show you today is the divine relationship between you and God to bring about a prophecy to pass. So let's read together. 1 Timothy 1. Let's go verse 18 to 20. This charge and admonition I commit in trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophetic imitations which I formerly received concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them you may wage the good warfare, holding fast to the faith, that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence and having a good, clear conscience. Another translation says, So Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life. You are now in the process of the fulfillment of this great work of ministry in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you. Listen to this. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith with a clean conscience. There's many in the church and many in the body of Christ who receive something from God, who receive a prophecy from God, and then they spend the next 10 years waiting and thinking, well, God spoke it, so it's automatically going to happen. I've come to tell you that not every prophecy that God gives you is automatically going to come to pass. Well, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of faith, but you're going to understand what I mean in a little while. We've misunderstood, I believe, in the church, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means God is sovereign. He rules over everything. He reigns over everything. He makes the final decision. 
in terms of whether you decide to pray again or never again for the rest of your life, Jesus is going to return. If you decide to walk out of here today and I'm done with church and I'm not going to see anybody again and you go and live your own life, doesn't matter what you do, Jesus will still return. That's the sovereignty of God. Nothing you can do is going to stop the second coming of Jesus. But what you do between now and when he does return is largely dependent on how you respond to him in terms of what he placed in your hands. So I find a lot of places we go, I find a lot of frustrated Christians who had prophecies 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years ago, and they've never even seen a hint of it come to pass. Many times they've just been sitting passively and saying, well, one day, one day God will come through. You know, that one day is going to be when you go to heaven. Because between now and the fulfillment of the prophecy that he gave you, there's things he wants you to do to see that prophecy come to pass. It's a divine partnership between us and God. I'm not preaching a works thing here, but I'm telling you there's work to do on road to the fulfillment of the promise that He's given over your life. And if you don't know that you're going to do that, you're going to end up as one of these sick-hearted Christians who just doesn't want to hear anything anymore because you're so disappointed that nothing God gave you ever came to fruition. So I'm here to help you with that today. If you haven't been helped in the past. The reason people fall away from the faith and turn from Jesus is they don't take responsibility for their own walk with God. I've been walking with Jesus 20 years, 16 of those years I've been pastoring in, two different, in, in three different churches actually, serving five years at a church in South Africa and serving another five years at a church in Auckland and the last seven and a half years have the privilege of leading a church on the east coast of the North Island. And let me tell you, I have heard it all. My season's up. I'm moving on. Is your season up? Or have you just not got on with what God wanted you to do in the place that he planted you so you can grow? I've heard, I mean, I could run down the list. I've heard, the, I've heard them. In fact, I don't, let me not say I've heard them all because I heard one the other day and I thought, well, that's new. But, you know, there's always a new one. There's always something new coming up, you know. Uh, my season's up or, brother, God's moving me on. On to where? I don't really know, but he's moving me on from here. Are you sure about that? Were you meant to stay? Were you meant to resolve an issue? Were you meant, was it meant to be the biggest season of your growth, or are you going to just up and go somewhere else and repeat what happened here somewhere else, and then do the same thing at that place, and do the same thing at the next place, and do the same thing at the next place? Listen, I'm not having a go to anybody. I don't even know half your situations. I don't even know most of your situations. I'm just saying, even in our city, there's people in our own city in the last five years that are on church number five. Maybe the church is not the problem. Maybe God did something to get you to release something that you're carrying in your life. And that was your opportunity, as I said earlier, to rise up in forgiveness and have one of the biggest growth spurts you've ever had in your life. Have I been hurt in church? Yes. I've had so many knives put in my back. My wife and I, we've got a collection at home.
I didn't come for that. I came for Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody says or does. I'm not going anywhere until Jesus tells me. Now I can remember, I mean, I'll just, I'll just like to say it as it is, because it is what it is. And uh, we, were, we, we had a certain gentleman who was really trying to force us out of the church that we're leading when we first got there. And eventually it came to like, you know, like one of those old showdown moments. You know, where you've got, I don't know, Clint Eastwood and you're ready to draw your gun. And, <laughs> and look, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't harsh. I just said in love. I said, look, mate, love you. Would love you to stay, but here's the bottom line. God called my wife and I here, so we're not going anywhere. If that's not good for you, we'd love you to come on board. We'd love you to stay, but if it's not working, be blessed. And they be blessed. And that's not harsh. People say, how can a pastor say such a thing? Well, they're unhappy. They don't want to deal with the issue. And I, I, I'm not going to now get all upset and get all offended and say, well, they've gossiped about me. I mean, they were talking about us in the town that we're in. And I had people coming to me and saying, do you know what they're saying about you in the supermarket? Well, I'm, I'm going to just get upset and leave. No, Jesus called me here. I'm willing to forgive them. I'm willing to work it through. But if you're not willing to work it through, I'm not going anywhere. And I think that's the attitude every believer has to have. God planted you here. He put you here. And you work through the issues and don't lose faith on the way to the promise because something got in the way. Because here's the deal, friends. God loves you so much that the very issue you had here that you chose not to embrace to grow, do you know what he's going to do? Oh, you don't want to know what he's going to do. You really don't want to know what he's going to do. He's going to raise the same issue at the next place you go. Because he's a good father who loves you. Who wants you to grow? Anyway, moving on. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this. Don't go there. Just write it down if you're taking notes. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. When you have a prophecy over your life that gets fulfilled, it becomes a tree of life. So you can be one of two things. You can be a sick heart or you can be a tree of life. A sick heart is a disappointed Christian who never saw anything come to pass because they never responded to what God asked them to do. But a tree of life is a beautiful thing because a tree of life doesn't just provide fruit for themselves. It provides fruit for others. So if you've got a word over your life, here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to learn to discern the word. Question to ask, is it a word from God? I've been given words that are not words from God. Just by well-meaning people who want to encourage me, that's fine. But I'm not going to uproot my whole life because someone gave me a word. Prophecy, while God may reveal new things, should mostly be a confirmation of what God has already told you. So I want a prophecy, Cliff. Well, have you spent time in His presence? Has God told you anything? Because there's not much to prophesy over unless you've heard Him first. Oh, thank you, mate. That lady did that 10 years ago, and we married, so. (laughs) It's exactly how it happened. In Indonesia, she handed me one of these, and eight months later, we were walking down the aisle. Praise God. So you never know what's going to happen. Wow. 
Thank you so much, sir. Ask these questions. Number one, is it in line with the character of God? Do you know that people prophesying can get it wrong? Why? Because they human. I can get it wrong. I've got it wrong. So that's why I don't want anyone changing their whole life because I gave them a word. You have to be responsible enough to discern the word over your life and ask, is it in line with the character of God? How do you get to know the character of God? Well, how do you get to know the character of anyone? You spend time with them. You see, when you're in His presence and you're praying and you're reading His Word and you're worshiping Him, you come to learn what kind of a father He is. And the minute someone gives you a word that's outside of the character of God, you learn to discern it very quickly. And can I say this? Just because someone got it wrong under the new covenant does not make them a false prophet. A false prophet is someone who wants to only prophesy death and destruction. And we've all seen those, and we don't need any more of those. I, I like to say that those people are not prophetic. They are pathetic. We don't need your doom and destruction, and God's going to burn the church down prophecies. Please, if you want to do that, why don't you speak that over your own life? People want to come into the life of a church and talk nonsense like that. Speak it over yourself. We're under the new covenant, friend. We, it, it's, not, it's not the old covenant. Under the old covenant, when a prophet came to town, you were shaking in your boots. They would send someone out down the road to find out good news or bad news. But under the new covenant, it's good news. And if someone got it wrong, that's okay. Because you got it wrong sometime, give them a chance to grow in the gifting. So when you receive a word, number one, is it in line with the character of God? Number two, is it in line with the word of God? And here's the key. You've got to listen for what God is actually saying, not just what you want to hear. God will never give you something that does not line up with this. Never. Well, I just feel the Lord doesn't want you to forgive that person. Well, that ain't no prophecy worth hanging on to. It's not in line with the Word of God. So what do you got to do? Number one, discern the Word. Number two, I'm giving you some practical things this morning, and then we're going to pray for people. Number two, you need to birth the Word in prayer. Now, this is the one people really don't want to hear because it requires some effort sometimes. <laughs> when you receive a prophetic Word, you heard it, God heard it, and the devil heard it. Now you've got to understand this. When the devil hears it, he hates it. Because it's speaking of God's future over your life. So what is he going to do? Everything he can to disrupt that word so that you never walk in the fulfillment of it. Well, I got a prophetic word and I got some opposition. Yeah, true, true, you got some opposition. Of course you're going to get opposition. I don't know what people expect in the kingdom of God. That it's, we're going to just breeze all the way to heaven and there'll never be a problem and we'll never have to fight a fight. And I don't know which Bible some people read, but you know, you've got to understand there's an adversary out there that wants to take you off course, that does not want you to run in what God's got for you. But as you learn some of these things, you can overcome every obstacle and walk in the fullness of what God spoke over your life. So when you get a word and you discern this is a word from God, then you take it to God in prayer. You intercede over it. 
And intercession is not just regular prayer. Intercession is standing in the gap about someone or something and praying the purposes and will of God into manifestation into the here and now. I've heard people say to me, I did that. So when did you do it? I did it once. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I don't know if there's a Christian Hall of Fame, but if there was a Christian Hall of Fame, you should be under the section of the person that prayed once and nothing happened. You know, that's a great section to be in. It's a joke. You prayed once? What do you mean you prayed once? How about praying for a week? How about a month? How about a year? How about three years? Because there's some stuff that my wife and I were believing for last year that took three years to come. And I was getting annoyed because I declared, I'd confessed, I'd prayed, I'd done ever, I'd cast the devil, I'd done the whole nine yards. And I said, Lord, when is this thing coming? And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Cliff, if you can't even wait and believe me for this for three years, how are you going to believe what I want to do in the next 10, 15 years in your life? Now, just looking around the room, I've summed this up. This looks like a church of people that like to go to the gym. So how many of you go to the gym? How many of you signed up at a gym and never went? I'm raising my hand. How many of you walked into the gym on day one and bench pressed 100 kilograms? All right, we'll cast that lying spirit out in a minute. Just kidding, just kidding. No, you, nobody does that. You've got to start somewhere. You start with the smaller weights until you build up resistance for the bigger weights. So when you get a prophetic word from God and you feel some resistance, you've got to pray through the resistance to build up your faith so that you can handle the bigger things that God wants you to have. My son is six years old, and, and when I'm at home, I don't hand him the keys of my car. I mean, he can't reach the pedals anyway, but I don't hand him the keys of the car and say, have a go, my boy. Let's see what happens. He's not equipped to drive. So God will take you through a process where he will grow you so that your faith becomes stronger and that you overcome greater things into the future. So don't miss the, the place now to intercede and to believe God for something and to birth something in prayer. James chapter 5, 17 to 18 says this. James 5, 17 to 18. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops. That's the power of prayer. For those of us who want to read further, I'm not going to go there this morning, but you can write down 1 Kings 18, and you can actually see how this is outworked. It says this in 1 Kings 18, verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And this is where they start to see the cloud coming and the rain coming. Now, I'm not going to stick my face between my knees because I might not get up again. (laughs) But if you understand in those days what that position was, that was the birthing position. What was Elijah doing? He put his face between his knees 
to do what? To birth in prayer what God had asked him to birth in prayer. I wonder how many Christians are spending time on their knees birthing in prayer what God wants you to birth in prayer. Let me encourage you with this. Please don't be a lazy believer. You know, my son, as I said, is six, and we, don't, we didn't wake up this morning and say, brr, Denver, open wide, here comes the airplane, brr, and stick a, a spoon of puree down his mouth. He's big enough to open the cereal box and pour the cereal and eat it himself. If at the age of 21 I was still saying, come, my boy, open wide, daddy's coming with the food, brr, everybody would say, well, something's out of order. But in the body of Christ, you've got people who are saved. Come, God, feed me again. Ah, I'm waiting for the airplane. Goo goo, gaga. You see, when my wife was pregnant, and those of you that have had a child will understand this. When she was in the hospital, when people said to her, what are you doing? She didn't just say, oh, I'm, I'm just popping out and having a baby. Like I'm popping out for a spot of lunch. No, no, she was in there for hours. Sweating, pushing, screaming, shouting, breathing, not breathing. I mean, it was just, you know. And, 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 and those of you that have been there, it's not, it's not this Hollywood stuff and the baby pops out and everything's nice. and so It's messy, man. But you know what the beautiful thing about it is? Is there's new life. Denver sat in her womb for nine months growing and then took some 30-something hours to come out. And it was an effort, a great effort, but you end up with the prize. It's the same in the body of Christ. I'm not preaching a works thing, but I'm telling you, you've got to birth some things in prayer. You've got to put your head between your knees and you've got to say, I'm going to press into this thing until God brings the breakthrough. You see, prophecy without prayer is just a monument. I'll say that again. Prophecy without prayer is a monument. It's just something you will look at, a picture on the wall, a note in a book that you have somewhere. But if you're willing to put it in prayer and build it in the realm of the Spirit, you can bring it into the natural realm. The scripture we read at the beginning says, take those prophecies and do what? Wage war with them. Where do we wage war? In the place of prayer. When I was a younger Christian, I used to get very disheartened when people, when I'd heard God and then someone would come and say, I don't think that's possible. I think, oh, maybe it's not possible. Now when I've heard God and someone comes and says, oh, Cliff, that's not possible, I just go, oh, really? We'll see. Because I don't have to shout and scream. I just, I know the place. I go and do my office. I go and do my study. And I just start to birth the thing in prayer. And the very things that people said we could never do and never have, we have today. Number three, big point number three. There will also be a time of preparation before the word is fulfilled. Now this doesn't negate what I said about pushing in in prayer, but you've got to understand that God has to prepare you so you can walk in the things that He's asking you to do. And so in the waiting period, it's never a passive waiting, it's an active waiting. 
You should be saying, God, on the road to seeing this word fulfilled over my life, what's the next step you want me to take? Um, I'd like you to join the music team. I oh, know, but God, I've got a prophecy to preach to tens of thousands. Yeah, join the music team. Oh, God, but you said stadiums. Um, sign up, sign up, sign up, and be an usher. No, 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 stadium. No, no, sign up and be an usher. Because you can't preach to thousands if you can't serve five. Because the heart that it takes to serve five is the heart you're going to need to serve thousands. We're not in this for us. We're in this for Him and we're in this to serve others. So whatever prophetic word you've got is not so that you can have your name in lights at the end of the day. It's so that Jesus can be glorified and others can be blessed. Because there's people in Africa that pray and God parts rivers. They walk across rivers and go preach in villages and raise dead people that we don't even know about because there's no Facebook, internet, live stream, whatever that people can watch and say, well, look at that. But it's, it, that's all good and that's helpful and I appreciate those things. But at the end of the day, what matters most is when you stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the biggest accolade you can have. Man's applause, there's a place for it and we understand honoring, but man's applause is very fleeting. And if you're going to live by man's applause, you're going to live a horrible life. Because there might come time where you have to just stick your head down and do what God told you to do amidst other people saying it can't be done. And if you're living by the compliments of others, you'll never get to where you're supposed to go. So ask God, while I'm waiting for my prophecy, what's the next step, Lord? And he'll begin to tell you, do this, do that. Learn from that person. Luke 2 verse 19 says, Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. Store those things up. I've got some prophecies over my life that are not yet fulfilled. But what am I doing? I'm taking the next step. I'm walking through the next open door. And there's some stuff that we're walking in today that was prophesied five, six, seven, eight years ago that we've actually walked through. But if I just sat and waited for the thing to happen, I would still be waiting. You see, we've misunderstood the whole thing of waiting in the body of Christ. It's not sit down, close your eyes and wait. It's get busy with the next thing he's put on your plate. Number four. Last point this morning, and then we're going to pray for some people. If you want to see a prophetic word birthed over your life, get perspective from your leaders and faith-filled people. Man, I tell you, if there's one thing I've learned in the last seven and a half years when God put something in my heart, I'm not going near anybody who's got no faith. Sorry, love you, God bless you, we'll help you grow in your faith, but I'm not taking what God's put on me and sharing it with you because there's enough wet blankets around to cover everything. I don't need to add to the wet blankets and to those that want to throw water on the fire. We need people that are filled with fire. I take my dreams to people who actually say, Cliff, you know what, that sounds a bit crazy, but I think it's God. And your leaders who God gives wisdom to see things that you don't see. How many of you have got blind, pot, blind spots? 
God gives leadership and ability to see blind spots to help you grow. And to say, well, that's a great word. That's a phenomenal word. But I can see there's a three or four things you're going to need to do between now and the fulfillment of that word if you would stop and listen and take it upon yourself. I know in today's world, that's like not considered a big thing that we're actually going to listen to what somebody else says. I mean, there's this song my six-year-old son is singing, which we've, we've, we're telling him to stop singing. One of the lines is, ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. Who knows the song? Well, ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. Well, then you're not going to do anything. You need others in your life to help you and leaders that have got wisdom to steer you because they can see things ahead and they've probably walked the road that you're about to walk. It would pay for you to listen to them, but make sure that they're faith-filled people, not faithful people. We thank God for people who are faithful, turn up every week. That's great. That's phenomenal. But it's not just about being faithful. It's about being faithful. Filled with a D, full of faith. So let me ask you this. Twelve spies went to the promised land, Bible scholars, this morning. Can you name them for me? Let me help you. Joshua. Caleb. All right. Who's the others? Can anyone name even two? Okay, now they're having a shot in the dark. Do you know why? Do you know why no one ever remembers the other ten that came back with a negative report? They didn't come back with faith. You see, Joshua and Caleb said there's giants, yes, but we can take the land. The other 10 in history today, most people don't remember them. We're not looking around and saying, well, let me name my kids after one of them. No, we're not interested in doing that. Why? Because they came back with a negative report. To be honest, friend, we love you, but we're not interested in your negative report. We're looking for people that can see what God sees and saying, I don't know how we're going to get there, how we're going to do it, but I believe it's God. And you know what? We're going to rise up and we're going to take the land that God's given us. That's what it's about. We're not looking for yes men and people that just say yes to everything, but we are looking for people that are full of faith because I've sat in the room where I presented vision and it was going great and then one gentleman stood up and his words were, well, that will never happen. And it was like that moment in the plane, thank God I've never actually had this happen, but it was like the oxygen mask dropped from the panel above you. Please place the mask on yourself before you attend to others and continue to breathe normally. It was like all the oxygen just got sucked out the room. Until another man stood up and said, thanks, sir, for what you said, but actually, this sounds a bit crazy, but I think it's God, and I believe we can do it. See, if you're going to see a prophetic word fulfilled over your life, there's some things you're going to need to do. So let me ask you today, what are you doing? Where's God asking you to sign up? This is not a sign-up program. I'm just telling you because God's got something for you to do. How many of you are part of a family at home? How many of you are mom and dad and you do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the chores, everything? If you are, you're crazy. If you've got kids, 
Your kids need to learn to do some of that stuff. It's about a household coming together to get the job done. This is a household that God's brought together to get a kingdom mission done, which means there's a place for you here, and there's a place for you in the marketplace, and there's a place for you to see the prophetic word of God fulfilled over your life. So let me ask you this morning, what are you doing? What does God ask you to do? And what is God wanting you to do so that you can see the prophetic word fulfilled over your life? We can have the musicians, please. Benjamin Franklin said this. Most people die at 25. They're just buried at 75. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've actually stopped living the dream. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe something went down that caused you to step back. Maybe there's some disappointment in your life where you think, I really felt God wanted me to have that or do that and it never happened. Well, I want to tell you today, I'm believing for the fire of God to come upon your life and to reignite whatever He's spoken over your life. Because whatever the enemies come to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, God wants to bring back to life. People say, oh, Cliff, that dream's dead and buried. <clears throat> Happen to know someone who specializes in resurrection. Oh, I don't think it's going to, the, the provision needed is too much. Um, Happen to know someone who specializes in provision. You see, because if what you're doing in your life, you can comfortably do, hear me on this, and I'll probably preach on faith some point over the next few services. If you can comfortably do what you're doing with your natural resources, then you're probably not living by faith. And I'm all for good stewardship and saving and planning and wise management and stewardship and all of that. But I'm also very much for we need to live beyond our means because we've got a God who gives us what we don't necessarily have and takes us further than what we can do. What my wife and I have been able to do in the last seven and a half years has superseded our budget. It's superseded our salary. It's superseded our church's budget because God's able to do the impossible. We sat on New Year's Eve of 2015 after having an horrendous year and I mean a horrendous I, I just I, I mean I just couldn't believe I, I just we said to the Lord we can't have another 2015 and early in 2016 through a miraculous set of circumstances an incredible man of God by the name of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown phoned me later that year at his own expense Flew us to Tampa, Florida. Put us in a hotel. And I'm not talking a hotel in the shabby part of town. Put us in a hotel so we could relax and we could be refreshed for 12 days. Put us in meetings for 12 days. Fed us breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 12 days. Send us home with $2,500 worth of product of books and CDs and tapes and DVDs. We had to buy another suitcase to get it all home and never asked us for a dollar. Out of our resources, but not out of His. 2016, everything turned. 26, 2017, better. 2018 and 2019, it's been the best year in ministry we've ever had so far. Yeah. 
So whatever you feel is limiting you, I'm going to believe for the power of God to break off the limitations this morning because they're probably only limitations that you've put on yourself. I want you to see the limitless one who can take your life. How many of you here today know where Germist, where, where Lambton, Germiston, South Africa is? You do? You from Germiston? You from Johannesburg? Awesome. So you'll know. That's where I come from. To most people in the world, it's like, what on earth is that? And literally, and I'm not saying this as a boast for us, I've had the privilege, I think, of preaching in about 14 different nations. From Lambton, Germiston, a small suburb in Johannesburg, South Africa. Someone who couldn't even tell a joke at a birthday party and not forget the punchline. I would time the moment. I'd rehearse the joke in my head. And then I'd say, there's a gap. You know, you wait for a gap in a conversation. And if you've got to really talk at a family, that's very difficult. And then I'd launch in with the joke. And halfway through the joke, I'd forget the punchline. Do you have any idea how embarrassing that is? That's me. And that same person, God said, I'm going to put my hands on you. I'm going to break off all the limitations. And I'm going to send you to 14 nations across the earth to preach my word. The very thing I couldn't do in front of five people, he's asked me and equipped me to do sometimes in front of thousands. So what's the limitation you've put on God? Because he's going to break that off you today. Because you've got a prophetic word on your life that needs to be fulfilled. You've got things that he wants you to do. You've got dreams that he wants you to walk in. Things that are God-given that are yours that you're supposed to have, that you should have, and that I'm telling you, I came here today to tell you that you will have them in Jesus' name. I don't care what the opposition was against what God told you to do. There's someone greater than that opposition. He rose from the dead. He conquered hell, death, and the grave, and He sent the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us that we can conquer and climb and shift and move every mountain. Has someone told you you can't do it? I'm here to tell you today you can do it. And you're not going to do it in your own strength. Some of the people sitting here, you're going to shock other people. They're going to say, I can't believe that's them. My own mother turned to my wife the first time she came to our church and said, I can't believe that's my son. Because Jesus doesn't just want to do a few minor things. He wants to transform your whole life. And if you've walked into this place today and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you this is the Jesus who if you open your heart will step in and totally revolutionize and totally transform your life. He did it for me at the age of 17 and a half in a church building like this, in a church meeting like this. I opened up my heart and he stepped into my life and my life has never ever been the same. So we're going to start there very quickly if we can. I want to say this to you. I want to pray for two categories of people first. If you've come into this place and you've never, ever made a decision for Jesus Christ, you've never stood up in a meeting, you've never put your hand up, you've never prayed to invite Jesus into your life and say, I'm going to give up all what I have and I'm going to give it over to Him. I want to tell you today's the day for you. There's heaven to gain and hell to shun. 
Hell's not meant for people. It was meant for the devil and for the demons. Heaven was created for us. And that's where we're supposed to live all of eternity. Secondly, if you've come into this place and you did know Jesus, but you walked away from him for whatever reason, a storm came in your life. Something happened that you thought, I don't even know where God is in this. And it caused you to step back and walk away. But you found yourself here this morning. I want to tell you, he still loves you. And he's the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. And he'll call you home today. So very quickly, if you fit into any one of those two categories, you've never given your life to Jesus, or you did at one time, but you stepped back, I'm going to ask you very quickly to raise your hand right where you are, and it'll be my privilege to pray for you if there's anybody here this morning that's in that place. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Just raise your hand very quickly. I know people say, what will people think? I've come to realize most people don't think, so don't worry about what people think. Anyone else, just quickly raise your hand and say, that's it for me. I, I want to I come to Jesus today for the first time. I'm going to give him my life. Or I'm coming back to him today. I don't want to live in compromise. I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to live backslidden. I want to live in the forefront of what he's got for me. If there's anyone else, quickly, just raise your hand so I can see it quickly. Awesome. If you raised your hand, one prayer fits all. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I turn from my own way of living. And I turn to you. And I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Right now, I confess that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.